Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and this is season two of the Paychecks Business Series podcast. As you already know, I'm a certified public accountant, a regular business columnist for a bunch of publications you probably read, like The Guardian, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a small business owner of a financial and technology management services company, and I've teamed up with Paychecks the leading provider of human resources, payroll, benefits, and insurance services to bring you real-life stories and advice from real-life business owners and experts. Now, last season, we talked about the challenges associated with COVID. This season, we're focusing on moving forward, innovating, navigating the road to recovery. But there is still a lot of COVID leftovers to talk about, particularly as companies all around the country are now starting to reopen, getting ourselves together. There are lots of companies, lots of small businesses in, in certain states that are not even allowed to reopen yet. But the ones that are, um, are, are certainly concerned about you know, potential liabilities and issues that they're facing. And that's why we're bringing on today Cameron Mirafati. Cameron is a partner at Foley and Lardner in Los Angeles, which as far as I know, is under a heavy cloud of smoke and is about to break away and fall into the ocean. Uh, I don't know, Cameron, if you can confirm that or not, but Yes, we hit 121 degrees is a record temperature in, in the valley here yesterday, a couple of days ago. It's insane. So not only is it like excessive heat and there's fires, uh, earthquakes as well. And then there's rolling. Have you got any rolling blackouts in the LA area? It hasn't affected me, but yes, we, we have. I've heard of them happening around the, the LA County area. Got it. All right, everybody. So move to California. Sounds like a great, great place to be. <laughs> yeah, I've talked, I have friends out there that, and they're like, you just can't believe what is going on. This is just ridiculous. But uh, hey, listen, you know, it's, everybody has their headaches to deal with. Cameron is a labor attorney, represents small businesses, medium-sized companies, I'm sure some large companies as well, Cameron. But, you know, we're all facing questions about our liabilities as we enter into a post-COVID world. So let's, let's start from scratch, uh, Cameron. So if I'm opening up a small business right now um, and you know, I'm doing everything I can to be safe as it is, um, people can still sue me if they say that they're contracting, they, 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 they contracted COVID at my place of business. So as far as you know, I'm assuming there's no insurance coverage for this. Is that, is that right? Well, it depends on the situation. Uh, there, there is potential insurance. Uh, so, for instance, if you have an employee uh, who uh, gets sick in the workplace from COVID, uh, a number of states, uh, including California, for instance, have said that it is presumed that that individual got COVID at work if they ended up working uh, outside of their home for, for the employer uh, at, at any point in time in the last 14 days. So if that happens, then uh, the employer would be covered by the worker, workers' comp coverage uh, at the very least. Uh, and California would say it's presumed that that individual got COVID at work. Uh, so that at least you have insurance on that. If there is something more serious that happens, such as um, a wrongful death claim, uh, let's just say somebody uh, dies in the workplace from COVID. Uh, in that case, and, and uh a plaintiff attorney, for instance, could bring a claim to try to avoid the workers' comp coverage and just say that you essentially intentionally caused a death uh, or, or did not put into place sufficient safeguards to uh, avoid the death here. And if, that, if they can make that case, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard case to make. If they can make the case, though, they can bring a claim in civil court, uh, which would have a lot more liability for the employer. Uh, even then, uh, 
it's highly likely that general workplace liability or general liability insurance could apply in that situation as well. Um, just depends on the, on the allegations asserted, but there could be insurance in general. So what is, so what's all the yelling and screaming in Washington about where, you know, there, there's a big difference in the next stimulus bill, if there is one, um, you know, the, you know, the, the Republicans want to make sure there's business liability coverage. And I know, you know, some people are fighting that. So what, what are they talking about there? You know, when, it, from what you're saying, there, there may already be coverage through either workman's comp or general liability. Yeah, I mean, so I'm coming from California, right? And California does have that coverage because we have that um, essentially presumption that it's under workers' comp. But the fact that that's out there is still a potential issue for employers because now it's highly likely that um, the premiums for this insurance, either the workers' comp or general liability, are likely to go up because of the number of claims that are being asserted. So it's going to increase costs for employers no matter what. They won't maybe have a direct impact to liability, but it's going to be a cost increase in general. And there, that's been the backlash that I've seen in California, at least, for this policy, because uh, at least some employers have said that their premiums are already going up because of this. So it could affect the premiums. And not all states have the same coverages that, say, California has, I'm assuming, correct? Correct. We're talking about employees, but what about others that enter into your place of business? I'm assuming your business owner is liable for for those people as well vendors uh customers uh suppliers anybody that enters the workplace could be potentially uh the employer could be affected um from a claim i've talked to hr experts on this podcast before we've talked about how to make your business safe and things that you can you know do to protect yourself but let's go on the other end cameron okay so i mean i i, I wake up one morning and i'm served with a lawsuit from an employee who says that they, they tested positive for COVID or they suffered because of COVID in some way um, and they're suing me. Um, what, do I, what do I do? Well, uh, in that case, that's a unique situation because usually uh, if they're just suing you because they got COVID in the workplace, that kind of falls into what we just talked about, whether it's a, a workplace injury essentially that's covered by workers' comp insurance or um, a wrongful death claim, which is much more serious. Uh, but just because they may have got COVID, uh, I have not seen many lawsuits just like that. Usually it's under the worker comp realm. Uh, the, the most likely scenario is that somebody claims they were either retaliated against uh, because they got COVID or um, they were in some form affected because of their COVID. Uh, so let's, a good example would be, uh, let's just say somebody got COVID in the workplace and now the employer doesn't want them to come into work anymore. Or the employer has uh, now fired them because the employee ended up taking time off to deal with the COVID, for instance. I, there, there, there could be lawsuits over that type of issue. That makes sense. I'm, I'm curious if you're seeing those issues right now. Yeah, yeah. We have seen um, retaliation claims happen a lot or failure to accommodate. Uh, so for instance, let's just say somebody has a general fear of coming to the workplace because of COVID, right? Just the general fear um, without any kind of underlying medical condition is not likely to be an issue. Uh, the employer could at that point say, if you just generally are scared of COVID, that's not a legitimate reason not to come in. So the employer could make that person come in so long as the employer has sufficient general precautions in place to keep it, all employees safe. 
but if that individual has some kind of uh, underlying condition and they present a doctor's note, for instance, that says they have a potential medical condition or disability that makes them more susceptible to, to um, either being sick more or dying from COVID. Uh, in that case, the employer would have a, a general oblig obligation to accommodate that individual um, because yeah, under both federal law and state law in California, there, the federal law has the Americans with Disabilities Act. This could be considered a disability in which case the employer has an ob obligation to accommodate that condition, uh, which could mean either um, allowing that individual if possible to work to telework or work from home or provide other potential accommodation to help address that underlying condition, which may mean um, additional protective equipment um, or like a separate office that's separate from the other workers uh, or any other potential accommodations that could work depending on the situation. But, you know, how do you how do you protect yourself against that if you're an employer, Cameron, um, from, you know, as far as stepping over the line regarding privacy? I mean, you know, what you're saying is that if I would have to go and survey all of my employees and, and, you know, see if they have any kind of predisposed condition um, so that maybe I can take some, you know, actions to make sure that they're not exposed to COVID or give them time off. Um, or if somebody does take the time off, I then have to ask them about those questions. What, what, what advice do you have for employers to stay away from any potential privacy concerns with your employees? Well, as an employment attorney, I would not recommend going out to your employees and proactively asking them about their own underlying conditions. Uh, this issue usually comes up where an employee themselves comes to you and uh, tells you that they have this underlying condition. And under that scenario, um, you could um, ask some questions, not about what the condition is, but just generally why uh, they can't uh, come in. Uh, and ask, you can ask for a doctor's note, and the doctor's note doesn't have to give the details as to their actual condition. Um, they just have to say that this individual should not come in or, or is more susceptible to COVID, for instance. In that case, um, that note, uh, generally speaking, should be sufficient to accommodate that individual. And that, this all assumes that this is a, a somewhat of a larger employer um, under the federal law, the ADA is 15 employees or more. Under California, um, the state equivalent is five or more. Uh, other states may have other laws, but assuming they have at least the minimum number of employees to be covered by these laws, then uh, the employer would would be required to accommodate and and um, uh, respond to any issues any issues that are raised by the employee. But you definitely should not go out and survey your workforce because you're right; it, it could potentially create a privacy issue. Um, the good thing is there is some federal guidance out there that says that the employer in, in this type of uh, situation with COVID, the employer does have the ability to do some uh, questioning about these issues. For instance, like temperature taking, right? That, that normally you would not see that. Uh, in a normal scenario, we would not recommend that you take people's temperatures coming in, but um, the, the federal EEOC and other state um, administrative agencies have said that that is okay to do. As an employer, are you, allowed to restrict an employee for coming to your company if you if you feel that they're engaging in practices that might have exposed them to COVID? I mean, say you've got yeah. an employee that you knew were at some big public events. They were talking about going to some con something, whatever, party or whatever. Um, and you're like, I don't want this, this guy coming to my office, you know, the next day if that's what he's doing. What are your, what, what can you do about that? 
That's a tough one uh, because how do you know? Let, let's just say, let's just say you know about this individual who's who's um, being unsafe out there, but how do you know other employees are not doing the same thing? Uh, and so let's just say you take you you prevent this individual that you know of from coming into the workplace for 14 days or making them self quarantine, uh, and that potentially affects their pay because if they can't telework, for instance, then they would not be getting paid or they would have to be uh, covered by um, this new leave law that was created, the FFCRA, which we can talk about shortly. Um, but assuming uh, this individual is being affected um, uh, because they can't work and they can't get paid, uh, you might have a potential claim on your hands if there's others that are being treated differently, right? And that kind of leads into this retaliation claim, that concept that we talked about earlier. Uh, is if you're treating certain individuals differently than others, that could be a potential retaliation claim. Uh, but generally speaking, an employer does have the right to uh, keep their employees safe, obviously. And if they're aware of a certain person that's uh, not taking certain precautions, uh, they can um, prohibit that individual from coming in. I just be uh, concerned before anybody does that. I think they should talk to some counsel or HR uh, expert to make sure that they're doing it properly uh, and make sure they're, that they're treating everybody consistently. You mentioned the FCRA, the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act. Um, what are your thoughts about this act as it pertains to employers? What are you seeing among your clients that they're, you know, their their biggest concerns? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's in a way, it's a great thing uh, because uh, there is an um, immediate tax benefit, right? So it should not cost employers anything out of their pocket. I, ideally, uh, if they provide a benefit to somebody that, that is sick, um, that pay that they're paying the employee should come out and they'll get that credit on their payroll taxes immediately. Uh, so that is one good advantage of it. Many employers don't know that. Um, they think that they're having to pay out of pocket, but really if you're under 500 employees uh, as an employer, you're covered by this act and um, any benefits that, you're, that you provide to your staff um, should not cost you anything directly out of your pocket. So that's one great thing. The hard part about it is it's, it's very confusing to figure out whether somebody is um, eligible uh, or not and whether you're, you're eligible for the tax relief or not. Uh, and there's been, I mean, I think we're at about 90 frequently asked questions and answers that the Department of Labor has issued so far from this new law. Uh, so there's so many different uh, various questions that people have. And every day I, I get a new question from employers. Uh, I, I, probably, I spend probably more than half my time these days on questions related to eligibility for this law. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's great. There's, there's uh, for the most part, uh, five different ways in which people can get access to this uh, benefit. Uh, first three relate to if you're sick for, from COVID. And the others mainly relate to if you can't come into work because a school is shut down. So lately, there's been a lot of questions about that. If you have a, a child that's in school and their school is shut down, uh, the uh, FFCRA allows uh, employees to have up to 12 weeks off um, and paid time uh, for uh, taking care of their kid who's, who's off school. Right. So, Cameron, as we look ahead now, um, you know, there, if I were to ask you to pull out your crystal ball, what do you think will keep you most busy with your clients 
over the next three to six months, what types of litigation or um, you know, COVID-related matters do you think are going to be sort of hot that an employer needs to be keeping their radar on for? Sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot out there that could happen. I think one of the, the hot areas or the, the areas that people, uh, employers should be extra mindful of would probably be the wage and hour side of this. Uh, so wage and hour means like the claim for employees that were either not paid properly because they weren't paid for all hours work or their um, hours were not paid properly, um, either overtime or time for um, taking off meal and rest break time. Uh, so the, the biggest area of concern these days is the teleworking and remote working. Uh, most employers switch to uh, remote work or telework pretty quickly uh, when, the, when uh, the pandemic started. And uh, most employers didn't have proper policies when they did that uh, because they were scrambling to, to keep operations open and keep employees employed. Uh, and they switched to telework as soon as possible they didn't have the proper protocols to get that working well. Uh, and I could see a lot of lawsuits and some have already even started about uh, improper pay uh, and practices for the telework arrangement. Um, one example would be uh, if you have, like if you have salaried employees that are exempt from overtime uh, and they're not uh, eligible for overtime, then it's not as big of a deal when you go to telework because they're, they're being paid a salary for all hours work. The problem arises when you have an hourly employee uh, and how do you ensure that you're properly tracking all the time that they're working when they're working from home? Um, an employer in that case should uh, consider having a teleworking agreement or policy that outlines the, the, the conditions or requirements for that arrangement. Uh, you should, uh, the employer should also remind employee to um, clock in when they're actually working and clock out when they're not working. Uh, it's possible that an employee, for instance, may work standard business hours, let's just say nine to five, but then they get an email at like seven or 8 PM at night uh, and they respond to it. And if they're not actually clocking in for that time, that either five or 10 minutes or even one minute of work uh, that they may have done that wasn't clocked in uh, could then come back to bite the employer because uh, they, they didn't uh, properly track their hours worked, uh, at least in California, even one minute of work has to be paid um, and similar requirements throughout other states. Uh, so my biggest concern these days is teleworking policies and making sure people are properly um, clocking in and clocking out for all hours worked. Uh, another way to ensure that this is, uh, that the employees are properly um, keeping track of their time is to uh, not only remind them of the timekeeping policies that the employer has, but also uh, having regular acknowledgments, maybe even at, upon each paycheck that is provided to the employee or direct deposit, having uh, a regular acknowledgement that their paycheck is correct, that they all the, it, it ensures that they got paid for all hours worked, and that they got all their meal and rest breaks that they're entitled to by law. Uh, having such regular acknowledgments could help um, at the end of the day if the, employee, if the employee later claims that they weren't paid for all hours worked. So really my takeaway, Cameron, is that this is a great time to be a labor and employment attorney in this country. 
And kids, if you're listening, that should be your specialization as you grow up. <laughs> um, and, and really, with, with all the things that have to be considered for, for business, particularly for a small business owner, I think now is um, more so than ever, I think you really do have to have an outside attorney come on in and consult with you on what your employment practices are and to make sure you're taking the right steps. I think payment for remote employees, like you said, uh, Cameron, is, it, it's a critical issue among some of these other things we've talked about. Cameron Mirafati is a partner at Foley and Lardner LLP in Los Angeles. Cameron is a uh, labor and employment attorney. Uh, if you need to reach him, Cameron, what's uh, Foley and Gardner's website? It's uh, Foley, Foley.com, F-O-L-E-Y. That's great. So Cameron, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. The insights are just great. Everyone, for more great podcast episodes from the Paychecks Business Series podcast and other information to help you run your business, please visit us at paychecks.com forward slash works, W-O-R-X. Again, Cameron, thank you. Thanks everyone else for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2020, all rights reserved.